Shalom, shalom. Welcome once again to Focus on Israel. I'm your host, Reuben Rawls. Once again, we're coming to you from the beautiful city so, Ruben, I I spent a semester at Focus on the Family in college, yeah, and we memorized the Shema. Am I saying it right? In Hebrew, this was like in 2008, and I'm ter- I'm always terrified to try to say it again because I think I'm gonna get it totally wrong. Um, oh, my go memory ahead and practice. Has faded. Oh, the Shema oh, no. is really <laughs> impressive. Impressive. Shema oh no, I'm not. Right I can't do it, especially over recording. Shema, Shema, Adonai, Eloheinu, something like that. Adonai, Adonai. 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 I'm like, see, I'm like muttering because I don't. It's been a while. I'll, I'll practice yeah, another time. Well, that's great. <laughs> uh, well, hey, welcome to the Highland Groups Cast. This is Jeremy. And this is Emily. And uh, we are here with another episode, and we have the great privilege to have two of my favorite people and uh, the uh, senior adult ministers here at Highland, Reuven and Janet Ross. Reuven and Janet, how you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, Reuven, I recorded everything you said when you did your little radio spot, and I'm just going to let you know right now, <laughs> that's going to be the opening it's of the perfect. show. perfect. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, how's your quarantine been? I'm sure people would love to hear it. It's been fine for us. We spent more time with neighbors. We spent more time in prayer, studying the word, going for long walks. That's awesome. And so it's been restful, but we're ready to get back and be with everybody. I think everybody shares your sentiment. I am so ready to be back <laughs> what and is, be with other people. What is one really fun or random activity that the two of you, you guys have done during quarantine? Or what's something different uh, that has been positive for you that you may not have done <laughs> without the quarantine? Like, I don't well, know if you're I'm cleaning out closets or you, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a neighbor two doors down that has a great friend that lives in China Spring that has a uh, wonderful chicken farm. Oh, about 25 about acres of range-fed eggs. And the result is, is that uh, he gets 30 dozen a week. So we've had the joy wow. of passing cartons of eggs, of eggs all throughout our neighbors and uh, to also various uh, Naomi's. So that's been a, a real joy that we've been able to be a blessing to people uh, by letting them have uh, fresh eggs, range-fed eggs. That's awesome. Yeah. And we've also built a garden, vegetable garden in our backyard. And we have taken part in the neighbor's course who had a cult. We didn't help deliver it, but we were watching her before she had it cult, and we saw it soon after. So that's been fun. Sounds like we live in the, in the country, but we're actually just two miles from the church. That's awesome. For the record, you said you're helping with your neighbor's cult, not your neighbor's cult. Oh, <laughs> not uh, C-U-L-T, not their cult, but their Baby C-O-L-T. Horse. <laughs> Baby horses and, and, uh, and cults are different. Mm-hmm. They are different. 
well, hey, we spent our last episode kind of talking about what it looks like to uh, counsel people wisely from the scriptures, and uh, one of the things that we pointed out is it's actually wise to counsel people from the scriptures, um, but as we were kind of thinking about, well, as Emily, because this was her idea, um, and she gets all the oh credit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, as we were thinking about it, um, we just thought about how important prayer is and that we uh, even discussed a little bit that prayer is actually our primary ministry. And so, um, man, we have some questions that we would love to ask you and just love to hear your perspective. But I do want to ask one thing. Uh, Reuven, you said that you got to share some of uh, those eggs with your Naomi's. Could you could you talk a little bit uh, about uh, the Naomi's at Highland? What what is a Naomi, and uh, how do we minister uh, to them? Well, how about if Janet shares about that? That's a great She's idea. More, uh... Yeah. Well, the Naomi's are the widows, and we have about 70 widows in Highland. And so uh, we have monthly events for them. We've got different ministry directed toward them, but during this season, it's mainly keeping in touch via the phone and email. And then I've met up with a few to hand them a carton of eggs through their car windows. I met with a couple to pray with and gave them eggs. And so that's kind of how we've done that, of course, to my mother and those that we see regularly anyway. Okay. Uh, Which is great. So if somebody at Highland wanted to get involved in ministry to the Naomi's, how would they go about that? They would contact us and tell us what they can do or what they would like to do. And we would see if there's a current need for that. Sometimes someone will contact us saying that they can do yard work for Naomi's. But then I won't have anyone currently that needs yard work done. Either their kids are already doing it or they do it themselves or family member does it. And so I'm kind of the first stop. They let me know what they want to do or could do. Then I can um, direct them, contact the Naomi's and see who needs that. And how can they get a hold of you if they need to? Uh, well, my phone number. You don't have to give your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> but you can give your email. All right, and that it, and that's Janet Dash Ross at HighlandBC.org. That's right. All right, perfect. Thank you. Uh, well, man, we want to talk to you guys about prayer. And did you know that there's a reason that we asked Emily? Why did we ask yes. the Rosses? <clears throat> we asked the Rosses because we know them and their character. We know that you guys, your walk with the Lord, and that your ministry, not just here at Highland, but you know you know, the ministry that the Lord has given you, a lot of it has been defined by prayer and your your communication with the Lord, your walk with Him, your dependence on Him. And so we felt like you two would be the perfect people to talk with about this and what is the role of prayer when we offer guidance to other people? Uh, you know, what... How does that act in itself as a ministry, uh, you know, on behalf of others around us? And so uh, one of the first things that we wanted to talk about uh, has to do with the Holy Spirit's role um, in directing us. And so in John 16, when Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples, he's telling them that he was going to go to the Father and that this was actually an advantage to them, which is 
always crazy to me to read because the thought of, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of me, Jesus said, is is more advantageous than having Jesus physically next to me. And so that's something that's always fascinated me about Jesus's teaching in these chapters. Um, but one of the things that he says there is that part of the Spirit's role in the life of a believer is to direct according to the will of the Father and of the Son, and that everything that he does glorifies and exalts Christ. And so uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask y'all is as far as practically, you know, in your conversations and in your ministry, how have you, how does the Spirit use prayer to align our ministry with the will of the Father and with what He's wanting to accomplish in a, a given situation? Okay, I'm going to start. Ruben and I will be tag teaming, but I'll jump in first. Uh, this is Sabbath first who the Holy Spirit is. He's, awesome. uh, of course, the third person of the Trinity. But his name is character in Greek, and it has a sevenfold meaning. It means he's our comforter and counselor. He's our strengthener and standby, our advocate, our intercessor, and our helper. He's also the spirit of truth. He reminds us of the words of Jesus we read in John 14, 26. He empowers us to minister as Jesus did. He sustains us through trying times, and he reveals the heart and the will of the Father to us to help us on target. So we need to know all this about the Holy Spirit through our personal experience, not just know it intellectually. Mm. And as he ministers through us, as you said, Emily, he lives in us. And as he ministers through us, then we too can minister comfort and counsel and help. We can strengthen others. We can stand by them and intercede for them until God answers. So as we pray for those who are hurting, the Holy Spirit shows us how to care for them how to guide them spiritually. You know, prayer is not just getting things done by eliciting God's help. It is aligning ourselves with the Lord. Mm. And as we are as we are seeking Him, we become one with Him. We hear from His heart. We know His mind. We know His purposes. And then we can convey that as we minister to others. The Spirit gives us God's wisdom for those for whom we pray. Mm. I, I like that. the great example that's found in Isaiah 50, verse 4. Isaiah writes, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, or we could say wise, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. And I just see that hearing and recognizing the voice of God is absolutely critical in the lives of God's sons and daughters. Uh, so as you wake up in the morning, uh, begin asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He speaks to our heart. He speaks spirit to spirit. And ask him to give you a word in season for those people that you'll meet throughout the day. Hmm. Now, he won't give you a word for everyone. But he may well give you a word for someone. And the moment we can begin to commit our day unto the Lord, uh, he will be faithful to prompt us and to show us what scripture would be most appropriate for it, a particular person that we meet throughout the day. I like to start as soon as I wake up. I'm still in bed and I'm already starting to commit those first moments of my new day to the Lord. And you can pray something like, Lord, I know that you know who I'm going to be speaking to all throughout this day. Would you give me specific verses of encouragement or strengthening 
something from heaven that I can give to those who really need them. That's such a good word. I, I know that one of the things that, um, you know, especially dealing with young adults, things like that, that I get uh, asked all the time is, how, how do I know or how do I hear the voice of the Lord? So what would you say to someone who's like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I should get up in the morning and I ask that. Um, but how, how do I begin to figure out how to listen to the voice of God or how to hear the voice of the Lord? You know, if we are doing business with God on a regular basis, uh, dealing with our sin, repenting of it, bringing it before him, asking him to cleanse and purify our hearts, then we're in a place where we can hear his voice. Uh, he says, my sheep hear my voice. We should be able to hear his voice, but it's usually sin or distractions that keep us from doing that. But if we've already set ourselves in prayer to be ready to hear his voice, then as we open up the scriptures, that's often where he speaks to us. He can speak to us spirit to spirit, and we pray he does, and we listen for him to do that. But he often speaks to us through the word. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we, our hearts are right with the Lord, our minds are alert and focused on him. We're not trying to multitask at that point. We're just giving of ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. We're listening for him to speak, and then we open the scriptures, and we begin to read. Verses can be highlighted off the page as the Holy Spirit touches on those verses to speak to us. So I think part of it's being alert all the way around. We're alert spiritually. We're alert with our mind. We're alert emotionally. We're alert in the word. And the Lord is faithful to speak. We just need to be faithful to listen. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how um, as often as Jesus uh, talks about uh, life with him as a relationship that we forget like oh you, you have to cultivate a relationship you actually have to <laughs> put in time and and effort yeah. so that's uh that's a that's a great word great mm -hmm. word janet great word Ruben. No, that's awesome uh so moving on to, like with the next question that we have in romans 8 uh the apostle paul talks about what the spirit is doing when we pray. And so one of the things that I've experienced often with, with talking to people, listening to people who are struggling or hurting or needing guidance uh, to kind of walk through suffering is often, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray for. Uh, I don't know the condition of their hearts. Um, but one of the things that Romans 8 says is that the spirit searches the heart and that he is interceding for us as we pray, even when we don't know how to pray. Um, and so for me, that truth um, can serve like as a motive motivator and as an encourager that, you know what, my prayers, even though I don't know everything, I don't know this person's deepest needs, um, you know, to see that. Uh, so, you know, in your experience, um, you know, in ministry and just as believers and, you know, in general, walking with other believers, uh, you know, how have, how have you seen this truth kind of work itself out as an, as an encouragement and as a motivator towards you? Well, Emily, that, that's a great scripture, uh, that Romans 8 passage. Actually, I want to read the, the have it word for word. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Mm. But we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit prays for us according to God's will. 
Now, sometimes words cannot reach the depths of what we're feeling or what we're interceding for. So the spirit then prays through us. And sometimes, as it mentions here, and it's kind of probably uncommon for a lot of people, with groaning or with groanings. It could even be with tears or with the language of prayer. Now, women can seemingly pray this way much easier than men. But I've seen an intercessor really agonize and groan in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was praying in him and through him with groans of travail, and especially concerning the enormous burden that he was sensing concerning babies that were being aborted. Mm. Wow. And we've seen and experienced the Holy Spirit praying through someone in a language that may be unfamiliar to him, a language of the Spirit. And that's often called a prayer language or, as the Bible says, praying in unknown tongues. Acts 1 verse 8 says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he will release his dynamic power through us. And part of that power is praying effectively and energized by the Spirit. And those prayers are always in line with the will of God the Father. And we know that the Spirit of God is praying for us and through us when we know that. It gives us boldness to pray for others while we are with them, not just for them when we are apart. And hmm. this is the Holy Spirit that leads us as we pray. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think one of the things that I've appreciated about you guys often is that um, you don't just say um, that you love prayer. You don't just privately uh, pray for the staff, pray for the people of Highland, but you actually um, encourage and challenge our people. So can you talk to us a little bit about ways that you've instituted that intercession uh, among the senior adults at Highland? Well, we lead a Wednesday afternoon prayer time called Watch and Pray. Watch what the Holy Spirit's doing. Watch where the enemy is attacking and pray into God's purposes and against the enemy's purposes. And so we we don't have a large group. We you know, run anywhere from eight to 12 that come to that, all senior adults and all good intercessors, prayer warriors that take seriously the call to pray. We're meeting right now over Zoom with the, Walt, the Watch and Pray group. We also enlist our primetime ABF into a lot of prayer. We, we lead in praying for the nation. We pray for other nations. We pray for things that are happening in our church or in our city or community. And I know that we are blessed with a lot of deep intercessors among the senior adults. Mm. And they're praying together with or without us. Some of them meet in small groups until COVID-19 came along. Uh, small groups of three and four all over the city that meet to pray. Really good intercessors. So I think, you know, we get to have a part of that. But that was happening before we came along. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you guys mentioned, I don't, I think it was you, Janet, um, earlier was in regards to praying for someone or, or praying according to the will of the Lord. Uh, you know, we can, the primary way that we can know God's will and we can know him is through scripture and through his word. And so how would you say, you know, I feel like I think it's, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about how the, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Uh, and, you know, 
in Hebrews, it talks about how it, it works as a double-edged sword and that it pierces the heart, um, you know, it discerns the thoughts, the motivations, the desires. And so how have you seen scripture, how have you used scripture to to drive the way you pray, the content of it, your attitude of prayer? Uh, so what's kind of that relationship between God's word and praying for those that you minister to? You know, the, the Bible is the inspired word of God. It is God's authority. It is forever settled in heaven. It is true. And so praying the word is a very powerful way to pray. It, the Bible is a great guidebook for praying God's will because it's revealed in scripture. We can read the word and then we can formulate a prayer based on what we've read, use it, or we can do even more than that. We can use the same words of scripture to word our own prayers. Um, it's like taking what we're reading, but then we turn it into a prayer. So if you don't mind, I'd like to do that with a few scriptures mm. as an example. Awesome. Um, you don't like mind at all. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> okay. So Psalm 91, a uh, very common scripture that we're all reading right now for protection against the pestilence of COVID-19. But if, if you read verses 14 through 16 and also verse 2, I'm just going to read through it quickly, and then I'm going to pray through it personally. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him I will trust. So if I'm going to pray this for myself, I would personalize it and I would say, Lord, you have promised that because I've set my love upon you, you will deliver me. You mm -hmm. will set me on high because I've known your name. Every time I call upon you, you will answer me. You'll be with me in trouble. You will deliver me and honor me with a long life. You will satisfy me and show me your salvation. And so, Lord Jesus, I will say of you, you are my refuge. You are my fortress, my God, and you I will trust. And so you can hear the power of just praying the word, and it's also declaring the word of God over our lives. And then I pray the word for others, such as in Philippians 1. I would like to do a few verses there. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so like if I'm praying, if you were praying this for your children, I'll pray. I, we don't have children, but I'll pray it as if I'm praying it for my children. Lord, I pray for my children that their love will abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Their love for one another, their love for others, their love for the church, their love for you, Lord. I pray that they will approve the things that are excellent, that they will be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ that they'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And, and the Apostle Paul wrote some great prayers. Mm. I like to pray all of his Absolutely. prayers. Mm. And then let me just pray one for the nation, if I may. Back in Psalm 89, I like to pray uh, this verse. Verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. 
So I pray this frequently. I say, Lord, I pray that righteousness and justice will be the foundation of the presidency of the United States. It'd be the foundation of all Supreme Court justice decisions today and this week. Lord, I pray that righteousness and justice would mark the leadership of our Senate and the House of Representatives. I pray that our nation would be established on righteousness and justice and that the fear of the Lord would be over our nation again. Lord, may your kingdom come here and your will be done here just as it is in heaven. It's fun to pray the word. Mm-hmm. You don't it's have powerful. to pray what you think. You don't have to pray what you feel. You're praying what God says, mm-hmm. and that is powerful because he, he, he is committed to his word. Absolutely. No, I love that. And there's confidence that we can have in, in, in our belief in God's word and, and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so, no, I love that. Uh, one of the, the very last thing that I wanted to ask you guys in Ephesians six eighteen, 18, uh, Paul, uh, he says, praying at all times, he uses the word all over and over again, but praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so in that you kind of get this sense of just perseverance and endurance, you know, to continue praying. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, we can get tired, we're human, we, you know, we don't see the the results, you know, or the prayer, uh, the I don't know what the word is. Yeah, the results from our prayer that we think we should see. or uh, And so sometimes it can be hard to persevere. It can be hard to kind of push through and continue on with that. Uh, so what does it look like, you know, for us in the days ahead, uh, you know, as we guide other people, as we're ministering to them to pray without ceasing? And kind of what are some of the blessings that come from that kind of perseverance? I think the biggest blessing is just the blessing of cultivating an intimate relationship with the Lord, you know, to know him personally, to hear his voice, uh, to be one with him as we co-labor with him in prayer. I think that's the greatest blessing, but I want to refer back to where it says, pray with all kinds of prayers. This is something that can help us not become bored with praying all kinds of prayers includes petitions, conversational prayer, intercession, fasting, shouting the victory, a lot about shouting in the in the book of Psalms, praying the word, wrestling in prayer, prevailing in prayer, singing our prayers. You know, a lot of the hymns are songs of, of prayers. And, and then if we can develop a rhythm of prayer where we go back and forth from praise and worship to prayer, uh, that's that's very satisfying both to us and to the heart of the Father. We start out in thanksgiving and praise, entering his courts and enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Then we begin to pray. And then as we've been praying, then he moves us back into a place of worship and we hear from him. We're sensing where his heart is and where he wants us to direct our prayers. We go back into prayer. We pray for a while that way. Then we go back into praise and We find that this is a very wonderful way to pray. It's a way to sustain long periods of prayer, to do it that Mm, way. Absolutely. And then uh, if, if we'll be faithful in prayer, we will see answers. If we will persevere, we will see answers. And I want to just give the instructions Jesus gave us in Matthew 7, 7, where he said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall, the door shall be open to you. But it's written in the in the Greek continuous tense, which means ask and keep on asking and you'll receive. 
Seek and keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will open to you. And then verse 8 says, for everyone who asks and keeps on asking, receives. And everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking, finds. And everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be open to them. And so that that's all part of motivating us to keep on praying, keep hammering the door of heaven until we see answers. And it's not that God doesn't want to answer. It's just that God rearranges a lot of things as we pray. He changes hearts. He draws people together. He networks situations. He overcomes different situations that are going on, circumstances. And then the, they, we see the answers to prayer. So we need to continue to pray. Emily, I'd really like that question about uh, what does it look like to persevere in the ministry of prayer? Uh, we probably have the most amount of things to share on this fourth question. Mm -hmm. But Jesus made quality and quantity time alone with the Father, his chief priority. Mm -hmm. This was number one. Number one, every day of his life. And all of his ministry and service to people was an overflow out of this personal ministry of prayer with the Father. I like how Luke 5.16 says, but he himself often would slip away to the wilderness and pray. And I love how Jesus would lead the crowds. He'd lead his friends. He'd even lead his family to commune with the Father. He loved and depended on his continual relationship with the Father. And I want to read just two verses that have really stood out to me about Jesus and his conversational life with the Father. Mark 135 says, and in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. And in Luke 6, 12, it says, and it came to pass in those days that he went out to a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So if the Son of God needed quality and quantity times of prayer, both to and with the Father, how much more do we? Yep, such so a good Jesus, if I can jump back in, Jesus prayed both before and after ministry. He prayed before ministry, preparing himself for it. But then he prayed afterward to be restored in God's presence again. We see that especially in Matthew Chapter 14, Jesus fed the multitudes. Then he sent them away. He sent his disciples away. And then he went up alone on a mountain to pray. And one of the enemy's favorite tactics is to get us too busy to pray. And in our busyness, we might do more, but we accomplish less because we're doing things in our own strength. When we're prayerless, we become powerless. So we must make enough time to spend in prayer. Now, a lot of us want fellowship with God, but we don't want to be inconvenienced to gain it. We want to know his heart, but we're too busy or distracted or even too tired to listen to him. We hear his call to intimacy, to watch him pray, but we're not willing to. We don't want to get up extra early or we don't want to stay up late. We don't want to miss fellowshipping with one another in order to fellowship with the Lord. So basically, we're unwilling to sacrifice to find God in the secret place of prayer. We're unwilling to discipline ourselves to persevere in prayer. But Jesus clearly said in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So a lot of us pray in public. We pray in small groups, but we dare not neglect the secret place of prayer. That's where we develop our prayer lives. That's where we cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord. That's where we learn to hear his voice. In our closing segment on this uh, vital issue of prayer, I believe that if we will persevere in prayer, we will be able to minister effectively to others. And if we encourage them to pray, they'll find God's power and provision for themselves. But we cannot teach others to pray if we are not praying ourselves. Mm. The anointing to ignite others to pray, it only comes from a life that is living what we're talking about. And the great author C.S. Lewis wrote, we cannot transfer to others that which is not first our own personal possession. So if we don't pray, we won't see answers to prayer. But worse than that, we're going to miss out on the kingdom intimacy that God intends to have with each one of us adopted sons and daughters of the bride of Christ. The truth is, Jesus is really looking forward to getting married. He's waited a long time. And he's waiting for that glorious celebration in heaven when he gets to marry those who already are being called by his name. And the beloved apostle John, he had a powerful life-changing vision when he was living on the island of Patmos, isolated there. The last scripture that I want to share is, is what he saw and heard in Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. John writes, and I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God almighty reigns. So let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true sayings of God. And friends, this is what it's all about. We're not living for this life. But right now we are living in anticipation for the life that's to come after we leave this life. And the fine linen, it says, is the righteous acts of the saints. Prayer is among the most righteous acts of the saints that makes our linen bright and clean. Prayer. He longs for all of us to have an ongoing intimate relationship with Almighty God the Father that Jesus restored to us in his death at Calvary. And also to have an ongoing intimacy in relationship with Jesus, God's very own Son, and relationship with God the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to us to make it all happen. And my last thought is, if we will pray, will be a significant part of what God is doing in our families, in our churches, in our city, in our state, in our country, and even beyond that, in all the earth. And as a result of that loving act of obedience, praying, we'll develop a precious relationship with the triune God that we serve. 
and that we won't get in any other way. Oh, man, good preaching, Reuben. <laughs> well, hey, Janet and Reuben, thank you guys so much for taking time to be on with us today. And um, I think probably the two biggest things that I've taken from our conversation today is uh, this, that number one, if we are going to be ministers of reconciliation, we have to first be people of prayer. And I think that you've done a great job, uh, not only of talking to us today and explaining a little bit about prayer today, but um, you absolutely live out those things that you taught today. And I've always been encouraged and challenged by that fact. And so I'm grateful for you. And so when I think about your ministry, one of the things I think about is Colossians 4, where Paul is giving his final greetings. And then he uh, says this about one guy, right? And it's this, um, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling uh, or laboring on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured uh, in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea. And so, as I think about what it looks like for us to be able to minister effectively, to encourage effectively, and to counsel effectively from the Word of God, uh, I just look at this short little snippet about Epaphras, and I see that that all of that was undergirded by his labor and his struggling in prayer that he might, so that he might present them mature in Christ. And that's what I see in you, and I'm grateful for that. So so glad that you guys were with us today, and I can't wait, uh, man, until we can be together. And uh, at the very least, I can get one of Reuben's big hugs. I miss those. For sure. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks for the honor. We enjoyed it. We appreciate it. Love you guys. All right. Well, I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, thanks, (laughs) Ruben. Thanks, Janet. We appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.